to the Boxing Rad Podcast. Leave your kid gloves at home. But I'm the best ever. My style is impetuous. There's no one that can match me. I'm the most brutal and vicious and most ruthless champion that's ever been. My defense is impregnable. Anybody can what up, what up, fight fans? Welcome back to episode 262 of the Boxing Rant Podcast. I'm Kenny Keith, and I'm joined, as always, by Vince Cummings. What up, Vince? What's going on, brother? How about that crowd in uh, Nashville, Tennessee, last night? It's being touted as the largest gathering of wiggers since the opening <laughs> Up in Smoke tour from the early 2000s. <laughs> oh, Travis Kelsey was uh, running the show. Yeah, I think so, man. It was a it was a meet and greet. It was, it was, and I bet you they were all all envious of Caleb's wife. Oh man, um, you know what, dude? It was a uh, it was it was quite a uh, a crowd for um, a homecoming from a guy that even some diehard boxing fans still aren't very familiar with. Yeah, yeah, uh, dude, I, I was surprised and. Look, maybe Tennessee's a spot where we see more fights because that place was packed, dude. It was. It was. Um, We'll get to all of the action from this past weekend, including Caleb Plant's uh, defense of his IBF 168-pound crown from Nashville, Tennessee, and, of course, the uh, zone card from Friday night as Ryan Garcia and Jorge Linares made the proper statements um, to, uh, you know, basically give some serious anticipation to their July 11th matchup that looks like it's going to take place at the Staples Center. Nothing, nothing like a couple knockout-of-the-year candidates in, on one card. Love it. Absolutely <laughs> love it. Um, yeah, so uh, it's episode 262. It's the episode they've all been waiting for. Yep. Our first uh, uh, big matchup, um, you know, quite possibly. We don't know how the rest of the year is going to go because we are waiting um, here with bated breath to see if they're going to announce any more fights for this year. Um, it seems like every uh, superstar in boxing um, is waiting to have their next fight announced, but we do have a great 50-50 matchup, um, the rematch, Deontay Wilder versus Tyson Fury, and we're going to do the preview here on episode 262 of the Boxing Rant Podcast. We appreciate all of you tuning in to the show. Please subscribe to the audio podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Spreaker, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, anywhere you can get an audio podcast. And if you have not checked out the video version of the show, check us out on the Boxing Rant YouTube channel and subscribe today. Follow us on Twitter at Vince Cummings 81 and at Kenny Keith Jr. And give us a follow on social media at The Boxing Rant on Instagram and Facebook. All right, Vin, let's get right down to it as uh, we got a fight preview of the WBC Heavyweight Championship. And, um, well, Half of this promotion is being done by ESPN, so that half is also promoting it as the lineal heavyweight championship, <laughs> and it's a rematch between the two uh, the two giants. Um, Deontay Wilder squares off against Tyson Fury. We've been waiting for this rematch for quite a while now, Vin. Yeah, look, I, last night I rewatched the first fight. I think uh, ESPN News or ESPN Two had it on, and they've they've replayed it a couple times uh, this past week. And it, after watching it. I think that's the second. Man, it might be the third time I've watched it. You kind of start to notice some things that maybe you didn't notice in the first fight. And I think that fight was a little bit closer than I originally thought. I think Tyson Fury kind of got a little bit more credit for kind of being the showman in the ring. and Style points. Yeah, and kind of acting like he was in control at in times during rounds. When really he wasn't, and he fought a good fight, and I still think Tyson Fury probably edged the fight. 
But uh, it was a lot closer, and you notice when you're watching that fight, I, 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 and you think back to the past few fights from these guys after that, I think Deontay Wilder has gotten better. I'm not so sure Tyson Fury has gotten better. That's that's what I came away with watching that last night, and then going back to like the the Otto Valin fight, and I just why did you do that? Like, like, like that, that, that just seems like the dumbest waste of time in the world. <laughs> I was doing some show prep, you dick. <laughs> oh, man. You know, it's funny as you're saying that, literally, I'm like flashing back to the look on Tyson Fury's bloodied face from that fight. Yeah. Like, that's all I remember from that fight. Yeah. I, look, I, nobody should watch that fight a second time. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not recommending that for anybody. But, uh, it just helped me to, like, I'm not, like, Tyson Fury is kind of plateaued as a fighter, I feel like. And when you have that that two-year hiatus and that massive weight gain and the drug use and the alcohol abuse, you don't really ever truly come back to 100% of what you are. I mean, me and you can speak to some of that. Like, once you go down that, <laughs> once you go down that road... I mean, you can get out. You can you can reverse out of it, but uh, when you get back out into the light, it ain't quite the same. No, no. I mean, it's just it's you got to accept the new you. you <laughs> exactly. So it's like so. This is how it's going to be from now on. <laughs> All right. I can I can work with this. Yeah, yeah. More cushion for the pushing. Um, <laughs> look, man. I, I I think that that is Tyson Fury. I mean, I just think that the guy has so much going on. I think that he has done a really good job, um, you know, promoting this fight long before. Because, look, I, I think one thing that's been lost in this, because they've really ramped up the promotion now, mm-hmm. is that this fight's been signed for a really long time. Yeah. You know what I mean? So don't think that, uh, that, that Tyson Fury going to the WWE wasn't just part of, hey, here's uh, you know, $12 million to help you know, bring some buzz around the show. There was also uh, some purpose behind that, being that Fox is the major platform along with ESPN pushing this thing. Right. So, but here's the thing. The way that he fought against, was it Tom Schwartz and Otto Valin? Like, that's not how he's going to fight against Deontay Wilder, no. we think. He's saying that that's how he's going to fight. And I almost think that Tyson Fury is manipulative enough and smart enough to think that, look, I'm going to go in here and go toe-to-toe with these schmucks, right? Then I'm going to go ahead and, and, and pass around this propaganda that I'm going to stand toe-to-toe with Tyson Fury. I'm going to be 270 pounds coming into the ring. To Look, he has an ability to live rent-free in people's heads. Mm-hmm. And that has been—he has always wanted— uh, to take up residency and remain in the head of Deontay Wilder. So me personally, I, I I don't know. This is not an Andy Ruiz thing where it's hard to tell the difference between a sloppy fat 270-pounder and a sloppy fat 285-pounder. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? To me, Tyson Fury looks in great shape. He looks thinner um, from, let's say, the midsection down. And at the same time, he looks bulkier. Maybe if he has gained weight, he looks thicker in the shoulders and the chest. So maybe he has gotten a little bit stronger for this fight. But I think with as much time has led up to this thing, to to genuinely uh, you know put weight behind him gaining weight to stand toe-to-toe with Deontay Wilder, I think, in fact, he is doing the exact opposite of that. Yeah, look, I, 
Whenever Tyson Fury says something like uh, like he did after, was it after the Wilder fight where he's like, yeah, I donated my entire purse to the homeless. <laughs> what, what did you do, drive down to a local homeless community and ask somebody who's got a bank account? Who can I sign this check over to? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which one of you's got an active checking account? <laughs> like, the guy just says shit. Like, <laughs> I, I, he, maybe he... <laughs> He's strengthening his jaw with the, by eating pussy for, for this fight, and uh, he's strengthening his punch by jerking off seven times a day. This guy's got a, a well-thought-out master plan here. It is a master plan for sure. <laughs> but if you think about it, like, honestly, Tyson Fury, you've never really been known for your punching power. I don't care if in the first fight you were 256 pounds, and in this fight you're 270 pounds. You just don't have punching power. That 14 pounds isn't going to be the difference, in my opinion. And I don't buy the I'm going to stand and trade with him shit at all. I really don't. Why wouldn't you do what you did in the first fight, which was pretty successful, and you should be able to do it better now because you are – like in that fight, dude, his body – and Peter Fury spoke about it on that little roundtable they did for BT Sport. Yeah, the one with David Hay. Yeah. Dude, you look at how loose he like that. His body it looks worse than mine right now. In that fight, like he looked terrible. He's like you. You could push into his skin. He's just loose, and he's not like that anymore. But I, I still don't think that lends anything to this. I'm going for the knockout. You know, second round knockout. I'm, I'm stepping in the phone booth. We're gonna, we're gonna go at it. Those are all Tyson Fury tactics. Selling, trying to sell the fight. Maybe trying to make Deontay Wilder think one thing and do the exact opposite type of shit. I don't buy anything Tyson Fury says anymore, man. No, no. And on the other side of things, um, the vibe that I'm getting from Deontay Wilder's camp is one of laser focus. Yes. There's not a lot of like peripheral nonsense going on with him. You've even heard um, you know, boxing journalists talk about how, how different he is um, in the interviews or whatever. Because, mm-hmm. you know, if, if there's been one thing like – throughout heavyweight history is that you've had the guys that it is just so natural to promote fights because of their personality, right? Muhammad Ali all the way to today with Tyson Fury, right? These guys were made for it. These guys, if they never boxed, would do exactly what Tyson Fury did. They'd be characters on the WWE, right? you know? Deontay Wilders has always seemed a little forced, you know? He's always tried to do that loudmouth bit. He's always tried to do the flamboyant bit, but it doesn't really fit him necessarily. I mean, I love the fact that he's outspoken. I love Deontay Wilder's confidence. I think that he does want to, you know, market himself in a way that sort of, um, he doesn't want to be a quiet assassin kind of guy. He wants to be a guy that can strike fear in his opponents because he has boxing's ultimate eraser. Deontay Wilder's right hand is the most dangerous weapon in boxing. Um, And when you have something like that, it's only natural that you want to sort of build your persona around that. It just really hasn't worked out for him in that way. Um, I think that this is the pinnacle right now. I think that this is the biggest fight of both men's career, but I think that this fight is far more important to Deontay Wilder's career than it is for Tyson Fury. You can see Tyson Fury's already got pieces in motion should this not work out or end emphatically. I mean, he can still he, – he has reached nowhere near the staleness – of an Amir Khan or a Kell Brook when it comes no. to returning back home. You know, look, if he lose, if, if Tyson Fury loses this fight, 
I mean, it sets up a fight with him and Anthony Joshua. It, I think it makes that fight all the more likely should he get stopped in this fight by Deontay Wilder. Mm-hmm. But what comes next for Deontay Wilder, I'm not sure. This is going to be the biggest platform that he's ever been on. This is, this is his opportunity. People will argue it already right now that he is the biggest American star in boxing. Okay, I think that he, he is lost in a pack of three or four guys. That's my opinion, right? Yeah, somebody needs to emerge from that pack. And this is his opportunity to do it. And if he can go in here and make a statement, right? And, and if he can come into this fight and not try for the knockout, but wait for the moment to find his – to do what he's been doing. Like you said, dude, if, if one thing that gets lost with Deontay Wilder is his discipline and going back to his focus. The guy comes into every single fight – in shape and laser focused, and on top of it, he's become a better fighter. That's why I think coming into this fight that that the way that Ty- Tyson Fury is 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 handling the sideshow of this, right? Right. Deontay Wilder is coming into this thing, I think, ready um, to make a massive statement. Um, you know, I don't want to give it away right this second, but I tell you what, man, um, if if Tyson Fury isn't fucking with everybody. And he isn't playing games, and he's just along for the dog and pony show, and he's just here to collect a massive paycheck and be a part of the show. This will end abruptly for Tyson Fury. Yeah, and you know, even outside of what this fight means for both of those guys, this fight has a really big meaning for for the for the sport as a whole. And when I say that, I mean it because. We're talking about a crossover pay-per-view, and this thing has to be successful for us to get more of these. Like, this may be the first time you ever, you would ever hear me say, go buy the pay-per-view, because if this fight does well, if this fight sells well, that will present the opportunity for more of these types of fights. The only reason these, these big crossover fights aren't happening, in my opinion, is because the market's been so bloated and these guys need so much money and require so much money now because of the market that's been set by by DAZN and by Al Heyman before that and top ranks even jumped into it since their ESPN. These guys are making a ton of money. And in order to get them to cross over and make these huge, huge fights, you need a ton of money to be profitable and put the fight on. So if this fight does not sell well, the sport of boxing moving forward – you're probably not going to get some of those crossover fights that you want to see. And I know this is, you know, when we're talking crossover fights, you're talking the, the Terrence Crawford, Errol Spence, or just Terrence Crawford, any PBC welterweight fighter. Yeah. A- any big crossover fight. There's, there's a lot that hinges on this fight for the sport of boxing. It's really important on, on so many different levels. And you, you said it before, it, it there's a big difference between like I'm not going to say Tyson Fury isn't focused coming into this fight. I, I think he is. Just coming off like he's not. Yeah, and, and and maybe that's him. But you know, I think in the first fight he was able to get in Deontay Wilder's head, and Deontay Wilder kind of forced going for the knockout and trying a little too hard to get that knockout. I don't think he's going to like Deontay Wilder's not going to come into this fight in that same mind frame. He knows, and I think we've seen him over the last few fights kind of be a lot more patient and, and learn how to set up that right hand a little bit better than he was the first fight. So, you know, all these things that, that I've said so far, they all would lead me, even myself as I'm talking, to believe that Tyson, I mean, that Deontay Wilder should win this fight by knockout, right? I, 
but everything I've said, all that being said, I think Tyson Fury's going to win this fight by decision. I really do. Yeah, I, I, I think that Tyson Fury's way to winning this fight is to uh, you know deploy the same tactics. Do not waver for it. No tongue wagging or baiting in the middle of the ring. Uh, cut the goofing off. You know what I right. mean. And he needs to fight the same, you know, or similar fight to the way that he won all the belts from the stalwart who who reigned supreme in the heavyweight division for ten years and fight pretty much the same fight that he had against Vladimir Klitschko back in the day. Right. You know what I mean. I think that's what it's going to take. Um. You know. You're gonna have to stink it out to a certain extent. Absolutely, absolutely. And and look, if if he's not look, I agree with you on the you know uh, playing mind games thing. Because if Deontay Wilder were to let him get to um, you know get to him this time, I think that you're you're kind of cruising for a very similar looking fight to let's say the first three quarters of Charlo Harrison too, mm-hmm. where you could just tell Charlo was fucking pissed off about Harrison's uh, antics, all the shit he talked in the lead-up to the fight, and you could see that Charlo was legitimately fucking bothered by Harrison's antics. Right. And it, and it reflected that the way, dude, he was winging the wildest, craziest shit you've ever seen. I don't think that, I, if, if anything, I think that, that, that Wilder is going to be more relaxed in this fight. You know, we've seen that it doesn't take much distance anymore for Deontay Wilder to get off. He's, he's taken that right hand, and where it used to be a very long, and, you know, uh, he, he would gain leverage on the right hand. Mm-hmm. Now, dude, he's knocking guys out with that same right hand with the same power, and instead of bringing it all the way straight, he's bringing it across. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And he can cut off the distance if Fury should get close to him. Um, tactically, all of the, all of the talk... All of the antics, all of the circus, it doesn't matter. We talked about this when, uh, you know, we started to see um, this fight coming down the pipeline. Is if Tyson Fury legitimately wants to win this fight, he is going to stink out the fucking joint. Mm-hmm. And he's going to try to. But honestly and truthfully, I think at some point in this fight, his bravado, his ego, and his just childish nature is going to get the best of him, and he is going to become distracted with the way that he is boxing Deontay Wilder's ears off. And he's going to get caught, and this time he's not getting up. Yeah, look, that would not freaking surprise me at all. And, you know, I was listening to uh, the the fight podcast with Teddy Atlas and Ken Rideout, and Teddy, Teddy Atlas made a great point, and I noticed it last night watching the fight. The entire fucking fight anytime Tyson Fury would go to dodge a punch or move he always every like not almost all the time all the time dipped down to the right like dip down to the right like that if 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 Deontay Wilder's paying attention and I'm sure they've watched that fight and I would hope that they were able to notice the same thing he is uh he's prime for an uppercut like Teddy said. And you know, we don't see Deontay Wilder implement that punch very often, but that's not to say that they didn't notice that and that's not something they're going to implement in this fight. If he's able to do that and he caught Wilder a couple times with straight rights the first time he knocked him down, he was dipping down to the right and he caught him on the temple. Um if 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 they pick up on that and they kind of add a few more weapons into their game coming into this, it could be quick. I mean, Tyson Fury could get knocked out early in this fight by Deontay Wilder. But, I, you know, I, 
everything everything that we've talked about and everything that that you hear a lot of people say and most people's predictions coming into this fight is Deontay Wilder is going to knock Tyson Fury out this time for whatever fucking reason I can't get that I can't I can't see that conclusion I I just picture Tyson Fury being able to stink the joint out to a certain extent I don't think it's going to be a terrible fight, but I don't think it's going to be one of those memorable uh, heavyweight clashes or, or near as memorable as the first fight. But I think he'll be able to just fucking pull it out, man. I really, really do. I, it'll be close. Uh, Wilder will land some shots. I think maybe you see Tyson Fury maybe be able to wear a, a little bit more of the power with that extra weight if he even has it. But uh, I, I just think Tyson Fury is going to sneak out of there with a uh, – kind of stinky decision win that leaves everybody with a slightly uh, bad taste in their mouth. So as of right now on uh, on my betting website, on mybookie.ag, uh, Deontay Wilder is minus 115 and Tyson Fury is minus 105. Yeah. The over-under is at 10 and a half rounds. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I would bet the over, and that might be the only bet I would make in that. What, what's, the, what's over 10 and a half at? Uh, the over ten and a half is minus one forty. Yeah, that would probably be the only bet I would make in that fight. Really? It was at minus one ten, minus one ten a couple of days ago. I mean, it's kind of gone back and forth as to who's been a slight favorite over the last few weeks. It's a it's a true fifty fifty fight. It's tough to fucking call, man. It could go either way. Yeah, yeah, dude. I, I'm 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 so ecstatic about this, man. Um, you know, I think that they, you know, just to get to the, uh, back to the promotion a little bit, man, starting with Super Bowl Sunday moving forward, I have seen so much publicity and advertising for this fight. And I know we are the biggest, like, who gives a fuck about what it does? You kind of touched on it a little bit, how you hope it does well. So if Errol Spence is healthy, it leads to all parties involved being like Terrence Crawford, Errol Spence. We need to make this happen because we can use the same template, promote it, and, exactly. and, and invest the same amount of money into this thing. Right. I honestly and, th- uh, and, and truthfully think that this fight, is going to do one million pay per view buys. You you think so? I think that, that's the ceiling for me. I think it'll be between eight hundred thousand and a million. But between the power of ESPN and Fox, and look, in the era of tune up fights, in the era of diluted markets with all these platforms and all these options, no wonder that nobody does any fucking views on anything anymore. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because there's just too much going on. There's too much stuff and there's too much other stuff outside of boxing. If there was, this is honestly and truthfully since Mayweather versus Pacquiao and they didn't even fucking promote that very well. No, they didn't. This has been the best marketed now, I don't know if the results will reflect this, but in my opinion, this has been the best and smartest, most cohesive, um, on, uh, you know, on narrative uh, promotion of a fight, the best promotion of a fight that I've seen in the last probably, I don't know, five years at least. Yeah, uh, look, if this thing doesn't sell, it's certainly not going to be for lack of promotion. And that's why I say this is fucking huge for the sport, because if they put everything they've put into this fight to try and sell it and make it what they want it to be, and it doesn't sell, then it's not going to sell for anybody else. You, you, know, you know what I mean? Like, it's not going to sell for anybody. If these two guys, with this promotion and, and, and as much advertising and push that's been behind this, if it doesn't do over 600,000 buys, I think it's a, it's a failure. And I think it will do over 600. I don't think it's going to quite approach a million if it does I'll be thrilled I'll be happy for 
everybody involved, and then let's make some more fights because people come out for the big fights, the, the, the truly big fights in the sport. But I think it probably ends up somewhere in the 700, 725,000 range, somewhere in there. Mm. Mm. Um, yeah, I think for, the, for what they've invested in, in this, um, I think that, uh, that that's not going to, you know, that, that, that'll pay the fighters their exor- or, you know, exorbitant purses. And, dude, you know. Well, that's why that – you ain't going to hear us talk about the undercard because – Oh, yeah, we're going to talk about it. <laughs> I'm not prepared, Ken. Oh, I, yeah, I'll take it from here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right, so your prediction for the fight. I, I, I really think Tyson Fury sneaks out of there with like a 116-112 type of win. Okay, so Fury by – uh, decent margin. Yeah. Okay. Decisive margin, I should say. Yeah, um, yeah I'm going to take Deontay Wilder with a ninth round mm. TKO. I hope your prediction comes true. That's what I'll say. I hope yours comes I'm true. liking the plus 120 on the under. Are you? <laughs> yeah, I am. Take it, buddy. Eat it up. Um, all right. Let's uh, re- just quickly get to the undercard. <laughs> I just want to warn people. Look, as as Vince is over here playing salesman for uh for top rank in the PBC. <laughs> okay. Let me tell you. It's one time only. <laughs> yeah. Let me tell you why you should check your betting sites for when the lines close for Wilder versus Fury 2 so you know exactly when to hit purchase uh on your set-top box for this because the co-main event for this fight <laughs> Uh, I've heard some really, really just outrageous things about about this co-main, right? Mm-hmm. Charles Martin versus Gerald Washington. I Look, I immediately came out and tried to explain to everybody, and I'm not going to sit here and lecture anybody. I do have, uh, you know, a version of a turtleneck on, and I do have some facial hair, although not as refined as Mark Kriegel's. You got a bullet's quarter zip on. You ain't telling nobody shit. <laughs> <laughs> All right, never mind. It's not story time. Um, but <laughs> the, look, I just want to put this real, re- real simple to you. Okay, go outside and grill some fucking burgers. Uh, Charles Martin versus Gerald Washington. They could not have selected. Oh, well, I should say the PBC for their PBC fight. A more uninteresting, meaningless, uh, skillless, slow and lumbering fight. This is going to be one of the worst fights just on skill level alone not to mention that both these guys are absolutely enormous and they are slow as fucking dirt okay this fight is going to be awful horrible across horrible 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 terrible terrible (laughs) there's no like there's absolutely zero chance i'm watching this fight i'm not gonna let this fucking fight get me all fucking pissed off before before the main event i I just don't need i don't need the raised the raised blood pressure moments in my life anymore do you remember the charles martin versus viatroslav shabransky fight yeah i do hold on was it shabransky no shabransky's a fucking light Light heavyweight it was uh glaskov yeah uh yeah viatroslav glaskov i knew i had the viatroslav part right (laughs) that was the biggest fucking joke ever oh dude i saw the uh, fact uh, who set that fight? Like, who? What was that? The WBA? Was that WBA? Yeah, it was a WBA belt, I believe. <laughs> what the? How do you get to? How do you get to that fight for for your belt? I think it was because Fury got stripped. It was, yeah, it definitely was because Fury got stripped. But how are those two guys up that high in your rankings? This dude, this Charles Martin Gerald Washington fight is an IBF eliminator. <laughs> 
fucking has Charles Martin fought one time since the Anthony Joshua fight? Maybe. So it's, yeah. So this is where I get to some of the commentary that I've been hearing about my comments on how horrible of a fight this is. People saying like. Haven't you seen the last Gerald Washington and Charles Martin fights? Dude, they were wars. This is going to be a really good fight. First off, no. I did not see either of their last fights. <laughs> like Vince said, the last news I had heard about Charles Martin was him recovering from a bullet wound post-Anthony Joshua. Here's my belt. You know that I knew he was posting videos on Instagram smoking blunts and shit. <laughs> Uncle, hey, whatever. I'm cool with that. Yeah. I'd rather watch that than watch him fight. <laughs> yes. Fucking a hundred times. Oh, man. Anyways, um, and then you have, you know, a champion that's tucked under that uh, earlier in the card, and Emmanuel Navarrete is fighting against a guy named Joe Tupas San- Santasima. All right, and I've heard I've heard some, some boxing know-it-alls out there try to lecture us on how this is going to be a really good fight. Okay, first off, Joe Tupas uh, Santasima. Yeah, whatever. Uh, Santa's, Santa's little helper. Santasima um, has never fought. Outside of the Philippines before. Mm. This is not the second coming of Manny Pacquiao. It's a good sign. Yeah. His American debut is going to be against a battle-tested Emmanuel Navarrete. This is probably his fifth fight in like nine months, it seems like. It's a showcase fight. And if Navarrete doesn't torch this guy, I mean, look, hey, that's why, look, this this goes to like the structuring of cards. We, We don't need to get into all the bullshit about why there's no money to have a real undercard and how this is all about the main event. But it just goes to the fight that we went to last weekend, right? The Gary Russell Jr., fight you had a it's not going to be fight of the year but so far this year one of the best fights of the year was the uh, jason velez fight yeah right and then you have you have that which the the dude the crowd is going ape shit and then as the co-feature to warm up to the main event you bring out rigo <laughs> right and and, and it's just it's like, not great structuring <laughs> no and this is exactly that this is this is really bad. But that's okay. The main event is going to be awesome. The main event is going to have your butt puckered, and you're going to be nervous. Yes. And it's a 50-50 fight. So if you do dabble in the world of placing wagers, this is your fight. Yes, absolutely, 100%. And, hey, just uh, don't even bother with the, with the undercard. Char- Charles Martin does walk to earth like a god. Yeah, you know, we might need to see that walk out, see how, see how he walking these days. If he really wants to get the crowd going, he'll walk out with a giant spliff, rocking that, <laughs> that, you know, that, that, that prince. Uh, it's legal in Vegas, baby. They sell right on the streets. Well, if, if he doesn't walk out with the spliff lit, his, I, I would venture to say if you want a contact, I just go back to his dressing room. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it should be a good. It should be a good main event, not a good card. Absolutely. Um, all right, so that'll do it for the preview of the WBC Heavyweight Championship of the World as Deontay Wilder squares off against Tyson Fury. In a rematch on Fox and ESPN pay-per-view. All right, let's get to the post-fight. Um, we had some stuff to watch this uh, this weekend. Um, we'll go to Friday night first on DAZN, Valentine's Day, from Anaheim, California. It was Ryan Garcia against Francisco Fonseca and Jorge Linares versus Carlos Morales in a fight, two fights that were teased for a potential matchup um, what people are saying, you know, a uh, massive step-up, put-over kind of opportunity uh, for the young budding star in King Ryan Garcia. Um, let's start off with the Jorge Linares fight. Okay, mm-hmm. we, we talked about Jorge Linares, and you made a comment. I wanted to ask you about this because, again, I, I'm not going to sit there and fucking tweet, 
tweet you about it or text you about it. <laughs> I, I want to understand your description on this. You called Jorge Linares the Cowboy Cerrone of boxing. What was going through your mind when you made that analogy? Because he's always he's always in good fights. They they always involve they not they always involve him knocking somebody out or him being knocked down and and getting back up and and his opponent being knocked down and getting back up. He's kind of getting long in the tooth. He's always been in and around big fights, whether they be eliminator fights to get to a, to a shot at a belt or a championship fight. And it's kind of how Donald Cerrone's career has gone. That obviously it's a you know kind of a vague comparison. I know most people are like, dude, Cerrone's got fourteen losses. Well, I, I get that, and he's not considered a stylist like Linares. But no, well, he's kickboxing as a stand-up fighter. He's one of the in his prime was one of the better strikers in the sport and has more knockout finishes. You know, it's just it it, it was just a thought. I really like honestly when you think about it, like. Five losses in boxing is kind of the equivalent to fourteen losses in in the in MMA. Yeah. You just don't see guys stick around much after five losses, at least at the top of of the bill, you know, and, yeah. and being able to get the fights that he gets. But Jorge Linares will always be that guy. Yeah. He'll be around in boxing for the next three years. Jeez. He he may not he may not ever win another title, but he'll always be that guy that's in a big fight, that's in a good fight, that always any boxing fan when they see Jorge Linares on the bill. They tune in, and that's kind of like how it is with Cowboy Cerrone. Yeah, I agree. I, I just think that 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 when I first read that, I'm sitting here thinking to myself, I'm like, the first thing I go to is how like you know just soupy and like skillful Linares is, and he's a good looking guy. And then you got Cowboy Cerrone looks like he just got done <laughs> tailgating at a fucking Jason Aldean concert. Now, you, you must take into account, folks. Last night there was a little bit of weed smoking going on. <laughs> So no, yeah. no, but as as far as their 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 <laughs> careers, uh, no, I think it's I think it's a really fair comparison. Um, look, man, uh, Jorge Linares is 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 you know his biggest kryptonite is his chin at this point. Guy's got yeah. over fifty career fights, and he's been in some wars. I mean, I, you know, leading up to this fight uh, last night, I was doing a I was working on some graphics for the show, and I was like like just like you know what, I want to go back and re- and rewatch. Jorge Linares versus Kevin Mitchell. What a fucking awesome fight. Dude. Oh, yeah. That fight was so much fun to watch. Did that dude. win fight of the year? I don't think It was think close. So. It was I, close, though. It was definitely in the in the running. But look, it's like one of those fights that, that it will always stick in my mind um, as just like, dude, even though that wasn't fight of the year, I loved watching that fight. Kevin Mitchell left it all in the ring that night, didn't he? Because <laughs> I don't think we saw – we might have saw him once after that, and he got stopped pretty quickly. Yeah, I think they both – um, had a little bit of their essence suck from them. Yeah. Um, then, but uh, yeah, he look. Jorge Linares did exactly what he needed to do in this fight. You know, I I, I didn't necessarily. Um, you know, it, look, it's a it's a knockout of the year candidate. He showed his skill. He he showed the trouble that he's going to pose for Ryan Garcia. But what Ryan Garcia did is show you exactly why. He, he can probably do that same thing to Jorge Linares. That's going to be a hell of a fight, man. Dude, I mean, it's going to be awesome. Don't blink type of fight is, is that one right there. From, I mean, from the opening bell to whenever it ends, because it's ending in a knockout. So there's no way that fight is going 12 rounds. I think, Absolutely no way. And I think that's what the the you know the rabid following of, uh, of, of Ryan Garcia is sleeping on with this, is that Jorge Linares is – very well seasoned. The only thing he doesn't have go, he just has a glass jaw at this point. And 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 Garcia seems to be developing some serious power. Yeah, like uh, concuss that. Like that that punch was 
that left hook he landed last night in that knockout was so perfectly timed and so perfectly targeted on the end of the chin. I mean, that's a that's special shit right there. Like, I know there's you know people have been slow to kind of give Ryan Garcia's due and his own personality and actions have kind of led people to be hesitant. But I really, really think that this relationship with the Reynosos and Canelo for him is the absolute best thing that could have happened for his career. 100% agree. I mean, you could see the discipline, the way he's fighting. Now, he's still got his chin up in the air a little bit, and he's still there to get caught. But, uh, man, he's developing very, very nicely. Yeah, we got the opportunity to meet Ryan Garcia and interview him. If you haven't uh, heard our interview from um, our time out at the uh, Canelo Kovalev fight. We talked to him for about uh, ten minutes. Um, I don't think there's, I don't, I don't think it's on the YouTube channel, but you can find the audio um, anywhere that you listen or, or, or subscribe to the show. You know, I was a huge critic of him when he first, you know, started to gain notoriety because you know sometimes, it's, you know, especially today in the in the age of the prospect champion, there is a ton of putting the cart before the horse. Oh, yeah. And with Ryan Garcia, there there was a, a celebrity to him. It wasn't just, like, trying to, like, leapfrog stages in your career. He hadn't even got to that point yet. He didn't have a chance to leapfrog anything. He was already a celebrity. The guy already had over a million followers, which is now four million followers on Instagram. So there's natural as a dude, and just, you know, you, if you guys have been listening to the show, we... We haters, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> we be hating on Uri one. So, you know, it's it's just your natural instinct to be like, who, who the fuck is this guy? You, you know what I mean? Yes. Um, but, you know, the one thing that I, I, where I really started to pivot on him was when we interviewed him, is that he is still a kid. He's still young. Yeah. You know what I mean? But he is so supremely fucking confident. And we can tell we've been around enough marks in our in our lifetime to tell when somebody's got some fucking false bravado or not. Yeah. And there was a swagger to him that was very confident. Not not egomaniacal, but very very confident. You know what I mean? And and, and, and you got to have that in the sport to a certain extent, man. If you don't have that, you're not going to last very long. No. No, I think he's got all the ingredients, man. Yeah. He really does. So I I, I wanted to sort of like tie this into something else because i agree july 11th is going to be fucking awesome mm-hmm. um and if i could figure out a way to get out to california for that it would be great but yeah. i don't think the, the fight's going to last longer than five rounds no i'll watch that one on tv yeah exactly um was i i noticed while this DAZN card was going on a video why 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 it's like this obsession maybe it's dan rayfield because i know he's fucking obsessed he's got a man crush on demetrius andre but this video comes on saying will demetrius andre ever get his big fight meanwhile while this is going on and i started to do some thinking okay and i'm sitting there thinking to myself okay what ryan garcia did in this fight you think it scares me ken is (laughs) is exactly what Demetrius Andre has failed to do his entire career. Yeah. Ryan Garcia went out and in the moment, under the spotlight, made a statement. There wasn't anybody in his corner going, boo-boo, I ain't worried about the knockout, boo-boo. I ain't worried about it. Ryan Garcia is not carrying anybody. Ryan Garcia, a young kid, had 10,000 butts in the seat at a at a big sports arena for his last fight, made a first-round statement in the buzz and the desire and the excitement 
from you and I to see his next fight in July is there because of the statement and seizing the opportunity in front of him. Boo Boo Andre, meanwhile, is fighting at a nightclub in Miami. They have to put it on Super Bowl weekend, right? In a fight in front of fucking 600 people, and they had to tuck a YouTube fight in as the co-feature just to get people to tune in for it. And guess what he does in that opportunity? He fucking carries a guy who was a 50-to-1 underdog. Carries him. Yep. That is why, folks, there's no other explanation you need, but in watching what Ryan Garcia did on the same platform that Demetrius Andre fights on, you don't need any more excuses or bullshit or, or, or fanboying, okay? That is exactly why what Ryan Garcia did is why Demetrius Andre's career is flopping. Why you got to drag boo-boo into this, man? Hey. They interrupted my fucking viewing with an unnecessary, oh, woe is me fucking, you know what I mean? Yes, I agree 100 fucking percent. Jeez. Just the the way that that entire card went with with both of those knockouts couldn't have been any better for either one of those guys. And to, to watch that and then know that that's leading to a fight between them. I couldn't be any more amped to see those two in the ring right now. Yeah. That's how it's done. That's how you that's how you build excitement around yourself as a fighter. You're in charge of that. You may not be so much in charge. You can do some promoting outside of the ring and, and help sell yourself. In the ring is where you need to sell yourself the most, and you're 100% correct. Some guys are doing it, but boo-boo Andre it isn't. Well, I mean, look, it also takes matchmaking. Yeah, it does. You know what I mean? Like, there's clearly been a plan for Ryan Garcia to get him to where he needs to go. Right? What are you doing over there, Eddie? Yeah, Eddie. I so it it, it almost comes off like Boo Boo don't want that smoke. <laughs> you know what I mean? It does. It comes off that way. Then yeah. it's all just smoke and mirrors to sort of I don't know stretch out. He just signed a new deal with Matrim to just let's just keep on collecting them easy. They're going to pay us this to fight fifty to one underdogs. And the worst thing about where Boo Boo is in his career, not to go down this Boo Boo Andre train here <laughs> trail on the, on this episode, but if if and when he does get a tough fight and loses, that's like going to be that's going to spell the end of his career because everybody's just going to go, "Yep, see, told you, done yep. with you, get out of here." Yeah, so, I, I mean it, it's it sucks. That's a position he's in, and he's kind of responsible for it uh 100 <laughs> responsible Ed, for eddie's it. picking up some responsibility along the way here so for all of our excitement about the way that this card went okay there's also it doesn't go without it's it's silliness that we can pick at a little bit <laughs> one of the funniest fucking things i think i've seen and this just speaks to a different generation and you and i just being old curmudgeon get off my lawn kind of guys mm-hmm. right was watching the post fight in the ring where Ryan Garcia's got his WBC silver belt over his shoulder, <laughs> and Devin Haney walks in the ring with a, basically a souvenir. He's been stripped. He's not the WBC champion anymore. He became the WBC champion via email. Apparently, the FedEx package arrived with his belt. Did he 3D print that thing? <laughs> Dude, you know what this reminded me of? All of those fucking photos of Chris Eubank Jr. going to the club with his IBO belt on his fucking <laughs> shoulder. <laughs> You know what I mean? It's like, what are you guys doing, man? Yeah, yeah. I, and that even that whole interaction between them was like, it just was so, I, it just didn't seem real. Like, come on, guys. You guys just aren't good at this yet. Not yet. Not yet. Um, there is, 
it, this just it, this crazy rush and impatience in Camp Haney. Uh, yeah, it's, I mean, look, I respect them putting themselves out there, and I think their 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 plan overall is to just make themselves visible and make Devin Haney a name. But it is like, dude, fucking chill out. You're fucking 21 years old. You're not even the champion right now. <laughs> it's like, You're bringing your souvenirs to the ring. So on some, in some respects, it's like it's really fucking weird, and I don't understand it. But in other respects, I, I, I get what they're doing. I, I see where he's going, and I respect the kid's hunger to be in big fights at, at his age. And he's clearly supremely confident that he can beat anybody. I mean, he wants to fight everybody. He's calling out Adrian Broner. He's calling, all kinds of people here lately. And I respect that, but it's like – all right, dude, like, can you achieve something first? Like, you really even haven't won a belt. You haven't really beaten a very big, even top ten name in the division yet. And we're walking around claiming we're the best. I mean, let's let some action speak for us a little bit. Yeah, can we get a fight with somebody ranked in the top 25? And, like, he's, and he's hurt right now. And I, it was I, I found it funny, but I get what they're fucking doing. That's like two kids, like, like. Like, I don't know, like arguing in a sandbox. Oh, it's going to be lit. <laughs> it's going to be lit, Ken. <laughs> what belt's going to be on the line in that fight? It's a unification <laughs> from the 3D printed WBC belt and the diamond, silver, whatever FedEx belt. FedEx belt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, They're going to drive the belts to, to the ring in a FedEx truck and keep the back doors open and... Whoever climbs out of the ring first and gets to the belts wins. That's awesome. They should hang them up above a ladder in the center of the ring. Could you imagine those two trying to fucking claw up a ladder with boxing gloves on? That'd be fucking awesome. That's where boxing's going, man. You know, yeah, Give it five years. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right, that'll do it. Um, as uh, Ryan Garcia and Jorge Linares make the statements they needed to um, with devastating knockouts. Um, let's get to last night's action on the PBC on Fox from Nashville, Tennessee. It's uh, Caleb Plant versus Vincent Fagenbutts for the IBF Super Middleweight Championship of the World. It's Fagen Boots, Ken. <laughs> Whether it's a Fagen Butts or a Fagen Boots, it does. They're all the same. Exactly. Um, <laughs> the first thing I noticed with old Fagen Boots was. Um, did it look like he was wearing 16-ounce, like, sparring gloves? Oh, they were fucking huge. I'm glad you noticed that. I was like, I'm watching it going, Jesus. Either he has the biggest hands, like he's got catcher's mitts for hands. Like, those gloves were fucking enormous. Dude, I think it's German gloves. Do you remember? They were Everlast gloves, though, weren't they? No, I think they were some weird brand of gloves. It, it, it was. It's, it's just like remember when Arthur Abraham he had he wore those Adidas gloves yeah and they looked enormous on them Adidas. they have a ton of padding you know because remember Abraham <laughs> fought in the high guard all the time so if you can get fucking punched in the top of the hand all night right it may as well be padded but uh, come on man I mean look Caleb Plant did exactly what he needed to do and he looked very sharp and very crisp. Um, and very accurate, and he inevitably threw way more punches than the early rounds would have led you to believe. Um, he ended up throwing over 600 punches in this fight, which I was pretty surprised at. But um, I, I just have a really, really hard time with this, man, because it's not that, look, I'm all about show. I'm fine with showcase fights. And, I, and homecoming showcase fights, yeah, it's fine. All about it. But the sport has become, we talked about it earlier, so diluted 
and so spread out and so fractured that guys can maybe they didn't want to risk it after what happened with J-Rock's homecoming fight, right? Um, but come on, man. I mean, Feigen Boots, zero amateur fights. So basically this guy's been a West Virginia uh, tough man. You know what I'm saying? Fighting the bar stool rough and rowdy. <laughs> exactly, exactly. His two, his two losses he got knocked out in by guys you've never heard of before. Yeah, I mean, look, I – I'd seen him fight coming into this, and I tried to say he's just the most rugged, like, it just doesn't look natural, him trying to box. Just a street brawler. I don't understand how he climbs up the rank. Like, I'm about to lace him up, man. Fuck it. I might be able to climb up the rankings <laughs> real quick. How's that fucking guy get there? Um, all you got to do is be ranked in the IBF. Well, that's what I'm saying. I'm going to pay somebody in the IBF. I'm going to strap it up and see if I can't get me a title shot in two years. You should. You'd be good, man. <laughs> I mean, I'm white. They're looking for a great white hope, right? Yeah, you'll fight the winner of uh, Charles Martin and, <laughs> and Gerald Washington in an IBF eliminator. I will be weighing in at about 235 for that bitch. Hey, man. <laughs> Walk to earth like a god. <laughs> um, yeah, man. Look, I don't want to, like, look, you know, like I said, Caleb Plant did what he was supposed oh, he to looked, do. He looked great. He put combinations together beautifully. Uh, dude, I think he is a guy that's improved and keeps improving. He's a fucking highly highly skilled fighter and uh, a fight between him and david benavidez is going to be dynamite if it gets made yeah you know there's there's a couple things about caleb plant and i'm a fan of his um that that really concern me as far as a fight with david benavidez goes callum smith has shown his medal um we'll talk about you know a little bit more as we close the show we'll we'll get to the canelo offers with him but as far as callum smith goes as a as, as a fighter um, and I, you know, I think that in a, in a unification fight between Caleb Plant and Callum Smith, I think that Callum Smith's quickness, he would be faster to the target. Um, I, I, I think he outboxes Callum Smith in a close fight, but I, I, I would favor, and I'm talking about like minus like 160, like plus 150 kind of a matchup where right. like, that's where I would favor, uh, Caleb Plant in that. But I'm just watching this guy, uh, Feigen Boots, and I'm just like, this he's awful, right? I mean, this yeah, guy's awful. bad, really bad. Really, really bad. But there were moments in the fight, in the, in, the, in the rare power punch that he was able to land on Caleb Plant, where I saw Caleb Plant freeze. Like, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But did you notice that? I, I didn't, but, I, but I, I get what you're saying, yeah. Like, there was like two or three shots where he was like, oh. Like, it took a second for the pain to register, and he, was like, stood there while it was. Yeah, it was weird, man. And I also noticed, like, against a guy like Feigen Boots, you can try to deploy this flashy style to go along with your boxing style, right? Mm-hmm. Like, with the movement and stuff. I, I don't think that Caleb Plant is unathletic, and I don't think that he's uncoordinated. Sometimes you see these disconnects between athletic boxers, like let's say like an Andre Berto or an Adrian Broner, where these guys' upper body they have superior talent, right. but their lower body is stiff as a board or flat-footed. Right. You know what I mean? That's not Caleb Plant. But also, he was... I don't know if it was trouble, because Feigen Boots wasn't a threat. But he was getting kind of not trapped on the ropes, but it was like Feigen Boots wasn't having a problem cutting the ring off if he knew how to let his hands go right. and throw punches accurately, which for me, as I'm watching this happen, and I'm admiring the skill of Caleb Plant simultaneously, I could not get the thought out of my head. That's exactly 
exactly what David Benavidez wants you to do as an opponent. I don't think that Caleb Plant, even with his quickness and sharpness, has the power to deter David Benavidez for one second. Maybe the first four or five rounds, he'll he'll have a little bit trouble because he's eaten those punches. But once he gets used to them, mm-hmm. if he is is afforded the opportunity, because I don't think Caleb Plant has another gear when it comes to moving around the outside of the ring. I think you saw what he's able to do. Yeah. Okay? I think with Den- David Benavidez's strength, his reach, his reach is far superior to Caleb Plant's, right? Mm-hmm. He is going to pin Caleb Plant on the ropes, and in a battle of attrition, he is going to swallow him whole. He's going to eat him for lunch. And I... I, I Definitely think it's not a one punch knockout because that's not how David Benavidez fights. Right, but in a fight that is ultra competitive, around the ninth or tenth round is going to come on the ropes, and David Benavidez is going to have a referee jump in to stop the bludgeoning because I don't think Caleb Plant will be able to get away. Oh. I just don't think he's physically strong enough for a guy like Benavidez. I think definitely in the in that fight in the second half of that fight it turns into. Uh, Caleb Plant in in survival mode, and it's going to depend on if he banked enough early rounds to make it competitive down the stretch, and maybe he can steal a round or two in the in the last four or five rounds. But yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I mean, I I'm not saying I I don't I don't necessarily favor either guy right now, but I I just think it's a perfect like I just I love the style matchup and I love the matchup in general, and I don't think there's any way that that fight isn't excellent. No matter who wins and no matter how long it lasts, that, that, that matchup is just perfect. I think, yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. I just think it would take a lack of focus on David Benavidez's part to not come out victorious in that. Yeah, I probably would lean Benavidez in that fight just slightly. But I do, I, I love him against, uh, against Caleb Plant. And apparently, we don't have to worry about a WBO unification fight because they have taken the, the, the PBC has taken this a step further now. And they had a graphic saying the big three belt holders at 168 pounds that had the IBF, WBA, and WBC champions. No recognition of the WBO whatsoever. Like it is dead, except except uh, Brian Kenny was like, "Oh yeah, and there's actually another champion too," and like snuck that in there. Right. But then on the bottom of the screen, underneath Callum Smith, it says. Canelo Alvarez holds a secondary belt in the division. Because look, <laughs> look, hey man, we, we, we don't want like Al Heyman may be childish and being political in the way that he's dealing with this non non recognition of the WBO belt, right? Mm-hmm. But he ain't that dumb to not recognize Canelo as a secondary because he still wants to get his guys, if that ten, twelve million dollar payday's out there, he don't want to eliminate that by not recognizing uh Canelo as a secondary belt holder. Yeah. And look, we you know, transition that into the Canelo talk uh, and when is he going to actually have a fight signed here that's nine weeks away at this point golden boys kind of put themselves in a fucking corner with how much they've paid these last couple opponents so now everybody expects it so when you go to make an offer to a guy that's like four or five million less than you offered Kovalev or Danny Jacobs they go whoa 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 What's the difference? Neither, those two guys don't sell either. I know I don't sell, but they don't sell either. So why can't I get the same? And I know Golden Boy's kind of like throwing it out there. Like you saw Oscar in that interview last night. Like these guys got till Monday at the latest to make a decision or else I'm moving on to my four other options that, that we have. I, I'd love to hear what those four other options are. Um, is it Andre? Just, just yeah. Do the Andre fight. Like, like, and if those guys are going to balk at those numbers, 
my guess is Andre would accept seven or eight million dollars to fight. I would think. Yeah. You know, I I don't understand these guys like whether and I I see it from both sides, even from the Golden Boy side where they're like, "What did you make in your last fight?" Yeah, I'm offering you five times that. Do you want the fucking fight or not? You said you want the fight. And if you're and if you're a guy who's making one one point five mil, when you get an offer for seven mil, take the fight. But you know what it is? All of them are going. Yeah, but Oscar, I'm going to lose, and it's going to hurt my career. So I don't know if I'll ever be able to get another $1.5 million payday after this. So you're going to have to pay me as if you know my next three fights are built into this one deal. Like it's a cash out. Yeah, it's basically it is. All these guys look at it as a cash out. Whether they're going to continue fighting or not, they're risking their taking their first L, so they're going to be paid handsomely for it. It's... When you when you peel back the the cover a little bit, it's like, what a bunch of fucking pussies! I know they get in the fucking ring and I know they fight, but you're being offered all that money, fucking take it. And I'm not trying to be a pocket watcher. I couldn't care less. But it would seem to me that uh, maybe you should just take the fucking fight. If you had a little confidence and you think you're going to beat Canelo, you actually believe you're going to beat him, then your payday is going to go up exponentially. So what's the problem? Oh you know you're going to lose. That's the fucking problem. Yeah, they're not just going to wire you the money over. you got to fucking get in the ring and fight. Yeah. You know, it's it's not... Yeah, I, d- dude, I think it's absolutely ridiculous. It does not... I, you know, look, people can say that I, I'm off base with this. I don't really give a shit. I, it does not surprise me that Callum Smith would do that. It does not surprise me at all. You look at, at, no. the, at his career, how much time he spent fucking protected off television... You know what I mean? On these on these lopsided mismatch, he's batting fucking he's batting sixth or seventh and an eight rounder. Exactly. Right at the copper box. And it's like, <laughs> it, you know, it's like, dude, you have literally been fighting once or twice a year for your entire career. Right. You don't give a shit. You know what I mean? And that's fine. You clearly don't give a shit, you know, based off of your last performance. But you're sitting here and acting outraged. Offer John Ryder the fight. I bet you he'll take it. He beat Callum Smith anyways. I bet you he would too. (laughs) I could name probably, I don't know, a dozen fighters between 160 and 175 pounds that would take the fight tomorrow. Yeah. You know what I mean? But here's the thing is that I get it. They want a UK fighter because that, if they're not going to go to Japan and fight Murata, they want to make another dent and an impact in another market. Right. Totally get it. Yeah. Totally understandable. Triple G fight looks like September is is when that's going to have to happen, right? At 168 pounds, probably. Sounds good to me. Yeah, I don't care. Sign me up. Yeah, I do not care what the stipulations are for that fight. I just want to see the fight. I'd like my room at the MGM to be on the, um, uh, like the view from the 10th floor. First class seats this time? I don't want to stretch out on that plane, Ken. Yeah, yeah, me too. (laughs) Me too. Um, Look, man, I don't know. I mean, I don't have any indication... I've, I've I've reached out to every insider that I know in the sport of boxing that would have information that's close to the Golden Boy camp on this. They're not leaking it, man. No. And and because they're not, they're, what is being leaked is I think that they are trying to get within a certain price range. I think DAZN has spent so much money on fucking opponents for Canelo Alvarez, right? Mm-hmm. That they're trying to 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 play you know, the fan bases out there, and they're doing a little bit of public negotiation. 
Do you remember when they announced the Amir Khan fight for Canelo? Oh, it came out of fucking nowhere. And I think that's what's going to happen with this opponent. And, dude, I'm telling you, just offer Demetrius Andrade Ten million dollars, right? He's already got a contract with Matchroom. His money's guaranteed for his next four fights, anyways. Right, right. Doesn't that just just get it over? Look, Boo Boo wants a big fight. Let's let's go with the biggest fight. And if Canelo, I don't think it would be Canelo, right? Because remember Canelo, when everybody thought that Erzlandi Lara was the boogeyman, he said, "No, no, 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 no." Even when Golden Boy and Oscar were like, "No, nah, you don't you don't want to fight this guy. He's all wrong for you, Canelo." He said, "No." This guy wants to come and interrupt my fucking press conferences. Yeah. I'm going to fight him. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Well, if 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 somebody on Golden Boy, if, if Oscar De La Hoya is concerned about losing to Demetrius Andrade, right, then Oscar has really fell off the deep end. Really fell off the deep end. I don't understand why they're not going full. It is illogical. It is right there. And I am so sad. Just like when Rigo Rigo needed his fight, Vin. All he needed was the Loma fight. Right. You know what I mean? Well, let's go. Yeah, I mean, clearly that fight's not going to happen at 160 and it would happen on Canelo's terms and probably at 168 or some catchweight. Andre's a big guy. Who cares? Yeah, and if you're Andre, who cares? Honestly, who gives a fuck? And there's really no reason that we shouldn't get it. But you know what? Like you said, I, I, I this Callum Smith and Billy Joe Saunders really sell. Like if they lost, I guarantee you, they lost a ton of money on that Kovalev fight because the reports were what fifteen million Kovalev got paid. Throw on top thirty six million to Canelo, which is his going standard rate per fight. I'm not sure how they made any money on that. I mean, they did that fight didn't sell very well. No, I think that that fight was a disaster. Yeah, I don't know how much they made at the gate. Uh, DAZN doesn't have that many fucking subscribers, so I don't. Yeah, there's no way that could have been a profit. So that's the model that that's out there now, and they're like, hold on, we're not in business to lose money. So I don't care what the fuck you want. This is what we're going to pay you because we have to at least bare minimum break even here. Yeah. So these fighters have got to realize like the market's going to fucking the bubble's going to going to burst at some point. You're going to have to suck it up and take the five million instead of the nine million or the seven million instead of the ten million. Yeah, I mean, look, I don't know how much it affects at the top of the game. There's a lot more money at risk and, and stake. But like we've been talking about about the you know how diluted boxing is right now and with all these showcase fights. At some point, fans. Everybody, you know, especially the people that are putting up the money, they're not going to want to put up that kind of money for showcase fights. No. You know, for, for you know, look, a Caleb Plant versus Feigen Boots one-off homecoming fight, that's cute. You know what I mean? Like, we'll do those every once in a while. Right. You know, for guys that, you know, stay busy or whatever. But, uh, you know, when it comes to the biggest, uh, you know, the biggest fish in the game, man, it's piss or get off the pot. Yes. You know? You want the big fight or not. Andre, your O doesn't mean anything. No. If nobody knows you have an O. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> an O is actually an O because nobody really fucking knows what, about you. Oh, man. Uh, one last question for you, Ben. Yeah. Have you heard anything about the way that they're phrasing the Triple G fight is mandatory against Sarah's Meta that keeps on getting push back and push back and push back. Is he hurt? Like what like what's going on with that? Or is that the zone trying to coordinate their boxing schedule with subscribers? Like like I don't I, want- I think that has something to do with it. I think lining it up with the Canelo fight, just like you you've seen top rank kind of try to line up Josh Taylor and Jose Ramirez for their fights this yeah. year. 
you know, it kind of worked out that the uh, coronavirus <laughs> hit China and they could push that fight back. Now these guys align. So, you know, everything's fair. All's fair when when it's time to sign the deal to fight. I, I really think that's all it is. Exactly like you said, trying to keep that monthly big name on the docket for DAZN. But I, I, Triple G, the, the end of his career here is becoming, I don't want to say concerning. It's not concerning. It's just been kind of odd. Yeah. The way he's operated. I it, I don't even know how to – it's like he's he's said, fuck it. I'm a businessman. I'm about the business of boxing now. Um, I'm going to get paid, and I don't give a fuck what anybody thinks. Well, but here's the thing, though. I think we also lose sight of the fact that he was just in a fight of the year candidate. Yeah, and people do forget that. They're like, hey, here goes Triple G fighting another no-name. He just fought a guy that's probably like the fourth best middleweight <laughs> in the world, and it was a great fight. And he's 38. You're like – he gets treated as if he's in the prime of his career. Right. Uh, no, he's uh, like seriously on the downslide. Well, you know who's in the prime of their career is Anthony Joshua. Why is his first fight of the year in June against Kubrat Pulev? Like he, I, I don't want to fall down this rabbit hole, but I just I follow him on on Instagram. I have never seen him in a photo with a woman before. I mean, my that dude <laughs> He's has got kids. An, so. Does he? Yeah. That dude has an entourage of muscle men that all they do is flex and like freestyle reggae all the time, which is cool. I like reggae, um, but I'm just like, dude, what it, what are you doing? Like. Just get the fucking Pulev fight over with. Or he he's like, uh, DeZone's looking for somebody to take the June slot, and he's like, I'll do it. <laughs> I'll take another extra couple weeks out here in Dubai. Yeah. Oh, man. That's frustrating, dude. It really is. June? Yeah. June. Yeah. Oh, and, 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 and good job, uh, World Boxing News. I'm starting to think that that's the onion or something. <laughs> They've always been terrible. You always see the new boxing fans that like like retweet like articles from there. They they published an article saying that Usa hurt his elbow now and the Chisora fights off. <laughs> I've heard that from any reputable source. I just like days go by and I keep looking at ESPN and I'm like, is anybody going to report this? The, uh, you know who writes for World Boxing News? Yeah. Guys that are stupid enough to like get DM'd by them when they get on Twitter and follow them. Like, hey, if you want to write articles for us, be more than happy to to, uh, to to take your articles here. And it's like, hold on. Are you going to give me credentials and send me to fights? No, just stay home and make stuff up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, we'll get you a credential, but you have to pay for your way there and back in a hotel room. So, sure, if you want to go and cover the fight for free for us. Ah, uh, the age of... Uh... New media, then. <laughs> New media. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that'll do it. Let's get out of here, buddy. All right. Let's call it a day. So that was the Deontay Wilder versus uh, Tyson Fury Part 2 fight preview. We appreciate all of you tuning in to this special edition of the Boxing Rant Podcast. Please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Spreaker, Podcast Addict, anywhere that you can get an audio podcast. And if you haven't already, go to the Boxing Rant YouTube channel. Check out this episode, episode 262, and subscribe to our YouTube channel today. Follow us on Twitter, at VinceCummings81, and at Kenny Keith Jr. And stop by and follow us on social media, at the Boxing Rant on Instagram and Facebook. We'll be back next week with episode 263 as we bring you the post-fight from Wilder Fury 2 in a preview of a pretty loaded card from uh, Jarrah's Junior World um, in Dallas, Texas as it's the return of Mikey Garcia and a bunch of big names on that card. So next week's episode 
will be big as well. So until next week, we appreciate all of you tuning in to episode 262 of the Boxing Rant Podcast. Muchas gracias, everybody.